Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Club Act 22, your Rangers podcast. I am your host, Scott Carney. Uh, I mean, Ryan Haymart, sorry. And if you have tuned in to see three men under pressure, you have came to the right place because don't adjust your sets. It is just us three this evening. Uh, Mr. Carney has obviously, he's told me to pass on his thanks for all the, the messages about the birth of his son. And uh, he has taken some well-deserved time off and put his priorities in place. Obviously, there are bigger things than Rangers, so we wish him and his wife and his son all the best. Um, getting the housekeeping out, out of the way, please like, share and subscribe. Um, it means a lot to us um, if we can get the numbers up as much as possible. So we'll just hit that like button and get it out of the way with before you dislike this pod. Um, but yeah, let's get let's crack on and let's talk some talk some Rangers this evening. Introduce you to my guests. They don't need to introduce really, but let's introduce them anyway. Ali, is that a bit of sweat I can see on your head there, mate? Yeah, that was a mad rush there. My, my car was in getting serviced in at Lidwood there and I didn't leave work till... I'm Hillington, but I didn't leave work till quarter to six. So I thought I was about to text you, so I can't get on. But traffic was kind and I got through. But did you say Carney was married there to his wife? If I missed a wedding and a, a stag do, well, I don't think I'd ever miss a stag do there. I'm, I'm glad you called that out there. I thanks for the point. That that's another. That's a, what the first blooper of the night. So right, just like, yeah, okay, no, they're not married. They're not married, but there's a bit of pressure for Carney to get the ring out. There you go. Yeah, I just I thought I'd miss a stag do there. I was like, Christ, can't miss stag do, especially these, the, the older we get. But no, I'd like to say we've said obviously Carney in the group chat, but can. Congratulations to Carney and his very good lady as well on the birth of Carter Scott Carney, who has been entered into this world. Um, so I congratulations to Carney, and hopefully we'll see young Carter in a Rangers jersey in 18 years' time making his debut at Ibrox. Yeah, I'm hoping so. And, um, I wonder if he can get a my jersey. I wonder what kind, of, what kind of tea he'll get in a my jersey. Is there any point in him joining my jersey? We'll come to that later, but um, and of course, uh, I'll introduce you as well to Scotia Gemmel. Scotia, you're in charge of the comments tonight, there's no pressure <laughs> there. I've, I've told <laughs> it's an easy job, mate. Oh, I know, Car- I don't know why Carney's given me the kind of responsibility for this. I thought I would be last in the, the list to do this, but uh, so I'm, I'm controlling the comments. I can see quite a few people then joining us already. So, hi, everyone. Yeah, and hi, guys. Yeah, looking forward to this again. I'm really getting the itch now for the football season to start back up again. I've been kind of forcing myself to watch MLS games and, and Canadian Premier League games during the week there because I'm um, getting a wee bit of withdrawal from from football at the minute, so it can't come back soon enough. And um, yeah, just to echo what Ali said there as well, congratulations to, to Scott and his missus. And can't, make, make, can't wait to meet the wee fella. Yep, same, same. I'm looking forward to meeting him as well. And this does feel a bit like... The first time your mum and dad left you in the house yourself when you were a teenager, I feel as if <laughs> you should maybe have a bit of a party or something like that, or somebody should burn the carpet. Um, we'll see how this goes, boys. I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure we'll do them proud. Um, but I am also, I've got the itch. I'm, I'm climbing the walls for any sort of football just now. And as we know, there's not a lot coming out about, uh, <laughs> yes, Mr Lowe, we do want that, but let's keep it clean. Um <laughs> I'm just desperate for any sort of Rangers content just now. We're not getting it at the moment, but hopefully we can provide a bit of respite for for the listeners and the viewers um, and we can get some Rangers content here this evening. So 
going to kick off with the it was a Scott Arfield interview yesterday for those of you who do not have Rangers TV or who didn't see it. Scott Arfield was interviewed at Auckland Howie yesterday, which was, I believe, day two. It was recorded day two of the, the pre-season getting underway. He was asked about his time off and he'd had um, a full a full month in the south of Spain, he said. Um, the players get, I didn't know this, but the players get two weeks full rest and are told to do absolutely nothing uh, physical-wise. And then they get a programme sent to them just to do a bit of light training, some exercise and just kind of loosen the, the body up again. And then they get back into it. And then before they know they're back at Hawking Howie going through pre-season. He was asked about his new contract. Um, he said it was a no-brainer, really. Uh, one one more year to play with Rangers. He couldn't turn it down. He settled here with his family, etc. So man, I didn't expect Scott, um, Scott Arfield to turn that down because I don't know what other, other kind of offers he would have got uh, that would have matched anything like Rangers. But yeah, so he signed up for another year and then he spoke about Seville. Um, which is a subject I still struggle to speak about. But he said how it was difficult to to take that defeat, as you would expect, but also they had to pick themselves up, dust themselves off and, and go to the Scottish Cup final and win that. And he said that's what you do as a Rangers player. It doesn't matter if you've had a defeat, you need to dust yourself off and go and win trophies because that's why he's at this club and that's why that what Rangers are all about. Then I thought the interview was really good with Scott Arfield and I think he's taken a lot of criticism um, because he maybe didn't have a great season last season, but I think he plays quite a pivotal role in terms of being a senior player and, and having the right mould, if you want, as a Rangers player. Ali, what's your views on Arfield getting a new contract? And like I said, he's taken a lot of criticism. Do you think Gio has signed him up because of, like I say, his attitude and his desire for, for the badge? Yeah, I think he's got a really good attitude, Arfield. Yeah, folk will look to last season and say he wasn't great in patches, but I think Scotia said it in quite a few of the pods about Arfield. He has purple patches with us every season. A run of maybe eight to ten games where he turns it on for us and then falls away somewhere. So that's just that's just what Arfield is. But I think he is sort of pivotal in the background as a senior player. We all looked at it when we saw Davis, Arfield, McGregor. We thought... Probably keep one of them about. I don't know. I think he'd keep three of them about, but he thought he'd keep one of them about as a senior pro in the background. And um, yeah, I like Arfield. I mean, what age is Arfield now? He must be 34, I think he is. 33 years. 33 years. 33 years. So 33, turning 34 soon. So yeah, I like Arfield. He's a good squad player for us. He never lets you down, gives you 110% Arfield. I think it, I think what summed up Scott Arfield up was that, that semi final against Celtic. He came on the park with Steve Davis and he went, no, we're not losing today. Took the game by scruffy next, scored a fantastic goal and led Rangers on. So I've got nothing but praise for Scott Arfield. He's frustrating at times. Yeah, his shooting's not great at times. He's not a quickest player. I always say he's Tony Caravan half the time, but he's an important player for us. And for what he'll be on next season for a year, I don't think he'll be on very much Scott Arfield. And you could potentially see him going into a kind of coaching role. That's for his next moving football, go into a coaching role and, and see, see where he goes for there. But no, I'm quite happy he's there for another year. Yeah, I'm the same, mate. I think that Arfield plays, like I said, he, he plays that senior role well and he'll be a player who I'd imagine Lowry and McCann and King, etc. and McKinnon, whatever, will look up to and, 
and see a kind of guy who's just got the right attitude, he knows. I think it goes a long way in Scottish football, always banging on about it, but I really do. I think that his mentality is what he wanted. And he said in interviews well that pre-season never really seems to bother him because he's so he's so up for a challenge and up for getting the minutes in the legs and, and pushing himself as far as he can. And I think it's similar to why Davis and, and McGregor were signed up, just because it's that old head, that, that kind of senior player to look up to. Uh, Scotia? What are your views on Arfield? Did he? Would you have given him a new contract? And what do you think his role will be next season? Yeah, as you mentioned, um, McGregor and Davis there as well. I think out of the, all of them, Arfield was the one that I probably wanted the most to sign on an extension because, like you say, he is he is a quite an important player. Like Rangers and Tour, they are saying as well that him, Davis, and McGregor these are the kind of senior Scottish Northern Irish players in the team that know what Rangers is all about. Them. So you really need them, these type of players around to bring through the youngsters and things, particularly as well we losing Jimmy Bell, unfortunately, last season. That these are the guys. I know there'll probably be other guys in the, the backroom staff that are you know like that that Jimmy's taught, but having these players that know what Rangers are all about, I always think is really important because when you lose that, particularly if when you've got a a foreign uh, management team and obviously Geo knows what Rangers is about, having been here in the past as a player. But it's important to have these kind of players that actually know what you know Rangers are all about historically and things like that. So I think it's important that he's there and for that term. But I think he's also been pretty important at key moments during the season, and particularly in some of the European games. Over the last couple of seasons as well, he's come into his own at the sort of times when other players have got out injured. So two yep. seasons ago, I think Jack came down with an injury in Arfield. Um, had come back into the side and at around about that point and was really important and it kind of gave you that you know you didn't notice Jack missing too much and then last season um, we obviously when Hadji ended up going out we were kind of limited out in that, that space because Wright hadn't pushed back into the, the team by that point and um, you know our field was important there so though I think having our field around next season is going to be important and I, I really I enjoyed his interview it was quite interesting you know, listening to him and what he was saying in terms of Geo's training style and sort of the differences that he's noticed and how he's going to develop that. Yeah, so looking forward to seeing him more of him next season. I was just going to put a hand up there saying don't do an alley and and, and discuss my next point when you when you mentioned <laughs> Geo. We will, we will come to that. Uh, I think you're right. I think you're right about Arfield and it just I don't I think he gets a lot of undue criticism. He's as Ali said, he's not this flashy player and consistent, Mr. Consistent. But he is a player, as you say, stepped up when we've looked for someone to kind of pull us out the the, uh, the bad stuff. And I think when Gio first came in, I think we were struggling for a bit of form. And I remember us being on a podcast and saying, what player's going to step up and, and kind of pull us out? It? And is it going to be a rebo? Is it going to be... And it was Arfield. Arfield was the man who stepped up and started scoring goals. And he did hit a, hit a bit of form. Out. and. Right, and he was out. See, when we were talking, he was out the picture with, with Gerard at that point. Because remember, we all said to each other, As, mm-hmm. he sits just along from me, Arfield. And I remember seeing him, and we were, we were all going, Where is Scarfield? Just had disappeared. And Gio brought him in out of the cold and done well for us. And he's got a very good song as well. You know, me and you like a song, Ryan. So it is a good song. We do. We do like a song, Ali. Um, again, that's maybe for our only fan section, but um, <laughs> yeah, we can promote we can promote that another time. Uh, just before I move on from Arfield's, I think it's Paul McGarrigal has put in the comments. Do I think Arfield will 
finish his career in Canada. I think that's a good shout. I think that I'm glad Arfield gave the... Well, I don't know if he gave Canada up or whether he just got dropped, but I was glad that he, he did because up. I felt they gave it up. I think I that think was good January decision because... Yeah, he looked tired a lot when, when he was away with Canada and it's... It's, all, it's very demanding, I'd imagine, on, on our body. It's um, in the mid-30s or early-30s anyway. Uh, so I thought it was the right decision, but I think that's a good shout. I think I could see Arfield probably next season finish his career in Canada, possibly. Um, so good point there. Paul, um, again, if I've not said already, get involved in the comments, ask us questions, and we'll try and get them answered. Um, just along with that Arfield interview, as Scotia alluded to, he did speak about Geo and his different coaching techniques. He said... He thought it was hard for Gio coming in halfway through the season. I think we forget about it because we were ahead in the league and we just expect that train to continue and, and that form to continue. But for a manager, G, uh, Arfield says it's hard for a manager to come in halfway through the season and start implementing these changes in his philosophy, if you want to put it that way. Um, and he feels that pre-season is probably the time for, for Gio to do that. And it's this, t- this time now is valuable for his coaching staff to start showing them what, what they want from the team. And he said he's already seen changes. He said that uh, it's all about the ball with Gio. He's, he's been under other managers, whether he's alluding to Gerard or whoever. He said pre-season is usually about a lot of running. He said that it's a lot of ball work with Gio um, and a lot about where he wants the players to be on the pitch, which I thought was quite intriguing because it sounds, sounds as if he's got a completely different style from, from what Arfield used to. With with and Bronkhorst, what I want to can ask you, I'll come to you again, Scotia, since you you started this conversation. Do you think now? Do you think it's a case of and Bronkhorst was just assessing the team last year? And I know this is easy, but I think there's a, an opportunity for him to now implement his philosophy into this team, bring his own players in. And I'm not saying wholesale changes in five or six Dutchmen. I'm just thinking. I don't think that was Gio's team last season. I still, I still believe that and I know we did well and I know we did really well in Europe and we just missed out in the league by four points but I just don't think that was still don't think that was Gio's team I don't think he tinkered with it the way he maybe wanted to Yeah, you might be right I was thinking about this when you'd sent Kenny through that you wanted to, to discuss this and obviously when Gio came in after that defeat to Hibs it was a case of right he needs to kind of steady the ship and get things right and he did for that period that we were playing almost every couple of days up until the end of the season or the winter break get pulled forward. He just had to get, put his head down and get on with it. Then we had that early winter break and then we came back and you noticed straight away that there was, he said he'd had that time to work with the players a wee bit more, but you noticed straight away that there was a dip off in performance. But was that because Gio was trying to implement his tactics or is that just the kind of hope we've got with this squad? Because it's happened in seasons past as well that we come back from the winter break and we just can't seem to keep going that first wee period. But you did notice towards the end that certainly in Europe, we sort of seem to be adapting a wee bit more. So having this longer period over the summer, there's no international football. Everyone's, you know, finished, wrapped up in international football two weeks ago or so now. Um, so the players are coming back to pre-season in dribs and drabs at the moment before going out to Portugal. So he's got this time to work on them. And as Arfield kind of alluded to in his, his interview, that it's a lot more kind of football-based um, this pre-season compared to last ones, but it's been, been more physical because obviously who's Arfield's, who's he had as a coach? John Hughes at Falkirk, 
Dice down at Burnley, and I would imagine the Huddersfield manager was um, British as well when he was down there. So he, that's a good probably... trivia question, that, uh, Scotia. By the way, name name the managers. I would never have got John Hughes. I only know it because he was said it in his interview. <laughs> that's the only reason. He talks, quite, high to that yeah. <laughs> he talks quite highly of Scott Arfield in his interview. John Hughes. Does he? Yeah. 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 But, yeah. So I mean, but I think the good thing is it was get said. Arfield mentioned this in his um, comments and in interview as well. Is that our fitness levels towards the end of the season, you know, were really high. But I think we've under Gerard, we've had that base where the whole team really are all really fit because of the pre-seasons they've had previously. So this is perhaps a really good opportunity for Gio to be in over the summer. We've already got a good base level of fitness that he can focus more on the, the ball playing side of things, um, which we should hopefully see in the coming season. Yeah, totally. I think... I think if the players all have the same breakfast as Calvin Bassey, I'm sure they'll, they'll sure they'll be fine fitness wise. Because yeah, I don't know what that guy eats in the morning, but it, um, he doesn't. He doesn't stop running. Um, Ali, would you? I think I was. I was. I was maybe very kind on him when people were criticising. I said when Van Bronckhorst was approached for the job, he must have looked at the team and said, "This is what I want to do. This is the players I want to bring in. I want to get rid of him. I want to get rid of him." There is no doubt he'd have wanted to put his own print on this team because we were hobbling. I know we were clear in the league, but we were hobbling through game after game and you knew you knew we were going to get caught out. Do you think Gio has looked at that? Do you think Gio's changed his plan from last season? Or do you think he is at this moment in time looking to ship a few out and bring a few in and put his own stamp on this team? I still think he'll look to ship a few out. And bring, he needs to bring his own players in. Their players have played together for four years now. The, the, the core of that team, and it's a big core when you look at it, you'd say probably about nine of them have played together for about four years. So, yeah, I see him shipping a couple of players out and bringing He needs to bring his... It needs fresh... We said it last season. I know we got to the Europa League final and everything, but it, we mentioned it came at the end of the cycle. It, it, it needs freshened up this Rangers team. Um, he got a tune out. He, he, Scotia says he came in, he made us hard to beat. Then we came back and we went to Parkhead, got an absolute battering there, to be honest. That was horrific. The Ross County game. And you look, you, we were all looking at it at that point, going, Is he the man to take us forward? And he had a wee spell in Europe in the semi final and he came through it. And then obviously we had the run in Europe, which, which, was, which was good. He tinkered with the team, he got a tune out the team there in the league. We, Kind of ended not too bad in the league, to be honest. Um, but it was a dead rubber, to be honest. But um, I fully expect him to to make changes this summer. I, I'm wanting three to four new first-team players on that Rangers team going forward next season. And I said I would judge him next season. I did say last season, when we were all asked the question, is he the... I think Carney asked us, is he the man to bring Rangers forward? And I think I said at the time, no. <laughs> But I want to be proved wrong. But I did say I would give him, I would give him this season to see what he will implement. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the season kicking off with what I hope he's going to bring in. I know what you're coming to Ryan folk losing the plot. We said it last season, last week about transfer rumours. But I expect three, at least three, possibly four first team starters to come into this Rangers team for next season. That's what I want. I don't think you'll be far off that, mate. I don't think you'll be far off that. I know it's quiet just now, but and we will come to to transfer uh, 
where we've transferred, we must have going to say negotiations, but there's a lot of that. But we will come to that in, uh, shortly. But I, I agree with you. I think you'll bring in a few players. And what I'm kind of more interested in is seeing Van Bronckhorst style because there is a lot of talk of whether he's going to play this three at the back, um, which I liked. And I don't know whether whether for Scotland or not, or Scottish football, is that, if that's the way to go forward. But in Europe, for me, Steven Gerrard and Michael Beale would never have played that three at the back when we needed it. When our backs were up against the wall and he dropped Lundstrom in there, um, I don't think Gerrard and, and Michael Beale, no, and no criticism of theirs, it just wasn't there. They were very plan A, and if that didn't work, they just kept going with it. I don't think... And I think that kind of gives you an insight into what kind of coach Gio is. He's not scared to change it. We've seen that with starting lineups, subs, formations, tactics. And I, that's what I like. And that's what I'm quite excited to see. And if he brings his own personnel in, then I'll be happy because I want to see, I do want to see changes. And although that team did great getting to the final, I do want to see a kind of a kind of end to the to the previous era, if that makes sense. Just before I move on to the next subject, Arfield did talk about Europe. So this is a question I'm going to put to you, and probably it would be good if everybody got involved in the comments. Ali, I'll come to you again. For Van Bronckhorst next season, let's just say domestically, we, we knock out the park, we get a double or a treble, whatever. What is success for Rangers? We got to Europa League final again, and we got put out. We got beat in the final. What would success be in Europe for Rangers next season? It's got to be getting into that Champions League. That's the next level for me. I know folk could say aye, but Europa League, you could be in there after Christmas and potentially do a similar thing to what we did this season. Whether we could replicate that, I think it would be hard to do that again, to be honest. But for me, it's got to be Champions League. We've had Europa League for four years now. Yeah, it's been good. It was brilliant last season. Obviously, it didn't end the way we wanted to, but the run we were on last season, it lived with us for the day we die, that, that that was outstanding last season. But it's got to be Champions League. That's where top, top teams are. And we made an arse at last season. The, Ra- the Rangers gambled last season and made an arse. I think they looked at Malmo and thought, we've got enough to get by them. And we should have. But we made an absolute hoot and arse here and dropped into Europa. But we've seen what happened there. But it's got to be Champions League for me. Got to be. But, but, and we're seeded as well, so it's going to be tough. But we have a chance. But they have to get into the group stages. If we get out of it, or to me, you want to finish as high up as you can. If you finish third, you drop in Europa League. Yeah, that's success. So for me, getting the group stages to the Champions League and at the very worst, drop in Europa League after that at Christmas. But that's that's what I'm looking for. Scotia, yourself, what's success in Europe for Rangers and Geo? Well, ideally, success would be getting to Turkey to go to the Champions League final. But you know that, that's, a, that's a pipe team. Victory um, being based, Scotia. I'm having a wee look. I'm having a wee look. Um, that would be absolutely ideal. But that's pie in the sky kind of stuff. I think success really would be the minimum of. Oh, Scotia's winning a time. I think with Scotia was. Oh, he's back. Oh, he's back. Get your dad cycling quicker. Uh, no, I need to. The, the Wi Fi is no great down here. No, so, well. you didn't hear anything I said there, no? No. No, I'm hoping it was clean. Um, go for that it again if you indeed, like. Yeah, it was. No, I was saying probably in terms of success, is the minimum of the last 16 of the Europa League, but that being via the Champions League group stages. Okay. Well, 
because I think it would be a really hard push to finish anywhere above third place in the Champions League. Just yeah. where our squad is at the moment. I agree. I think I would be over the moon if we got to Champions League group stages and whatever happens after that, then so be it. I would be so proud of this team. And I was speaking to um, one of my mates on the phone the other day there and I don't think it's out there as a possibility for this, the current side, and I'm not saying Rangers shouldn't, <laughs> I'm not saying Rangers shouldn't spend money or sign players, but if this draw was kind to us, I don't I don't see any reason why this squad just now couldn't qualify for the Champions League group stage. And then we would sell a, a prized asset or a, a blue chip player, as Ali puts it. I don't think that's out there as a possibility. I think this team are good enough to beat the majority of those teams. And that's when I was texting you during the week, Scotia, because I'm so ignorant to, to other football until it actually becomes a reality. But who, what, what are the big teams that we could face, Scotia? What are the kind of banana skins? Usually I always think of Scandinavian teams, I always think, are the banana skins. But who's, who are the kind of banana skins, in your opinion, that we could get in the group stage, yeah. the qualifiers? So the first qualifiers, there's potentially five teams we could face. Um, Monaco being one of them. Strum Graz, um, Union Saint-Gilles, say, from Belgium, and then one of either Micheland or Lernaca from Cyprus. So, for me, probably want to avoid Monaco there, um, mm-hmm. because they sold their... Def- well, they had that boy, what's he called? Chukimene or something like that. They sold him to Real Madrid this summer for €80 million, Euros, I think. And I think they're also, they're also due, because of the way that they've done their... Phoebe Paris Saint-Germain for Mbappe. I think they're getting like 35 million euro this season from him as well with add-ons and stuff. So they'll have quite a big war chest to go out and spend before the before these What a boy for Liverpool, Scotia. Well, I, yeah. Is it Minamino? Or is that what it's Minamino. That's right, so this is, right? As well. Yeah, so I think out of the, the teams that we could face in the first round, I think Monaco would be the ones you want to avoid. I'd quite fancy that Union Sangelesi. Um they finished second last season, and that was their first season back in the top flight for 50-odd year. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know how I was looking into their, the Belgian league today, right? You know how we hate the split in Scotland? You should hear how mm-hmm. they, they do their stuff over there, right? So they, I think the 16 teams play like 34 games in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Then it stops after that. The top four go into a playoff league, play six games, and whoever wins that... Sorry qualifies it's ridiculous so that San Gilesi won the regular season but they came second to Club Bruges with the playoffs <laughs> so do they not are they, they're not champions then Club Bruges are champions yeah or they, they're getting at the Champions League yeah and are class the champions of Belgium yeah imagine that happens so, to Rangers there would be uproar so Neil Doncaster runs Belgian football as well then <laughs> well I think we copied <laughs> it off it or took the idea from Belgium and kind of transported it across but I, I'd quite fancy oh, them just because it's obviously a team not been in the top flight of Belgium for 50 odd years so never really played them Yeah I would um, I would take Strum Graz only for the reason that um, who was it said that Dougie 1872 Dougie I remember that game as well when we played Strum Graz yeah. it was 5-0 five, Rangers were flying that night flying Michael Moles and Devour it was yeah, great night. Loved those days. Uh, probably one of the best, probably the best Rangers team to watch. Um, they were great, that team. Advocates, weren't it? Brilliant. 
Uh, well, aye, that, that kind of ends that uh, Arfield's um, interview. I just thought it was a really good interview. I wasn't expecting as much from it, but I thought it was a really good interview. Um, the next subject I wanted to discuss was the youth players. We have signed, you probably noticed we've signed one or two youth players. I think it's up at about 17, 18. Uh, but what I did want to say was Cole McKinnon, who is someone who has impressed me a few times. I've watched the B team. He got... Um, he got awarded a three-year deal yesterday, I think it was, uh, or the day before. Um, he was a B team's players, players player of the year. So that tells you what kind of season he had. What I was interested in was he'd scored against Hearts. He's got his new contract. He's 19 years old. And now there's talk from going to Partick Thistle. And it, for me, that just doesn't feel like the natural progression for him, it doesn't feel the right move and I'm also looking at like Charlie McCann who also impressed me last season, I've only watched him three times I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I've watched the B team a lot, I only started watching them when I kind of got into with you guys because I know you kept an eye on it but they're, they're, they're two that impressed me and I, I want to ask you, so I'll come to you Ali see with the youth, the young players for me Lowry needs to play this season, we can't put him out on loan we can't just put him in a B team, he's clearly ready to play football Cole McKinnon, for me, isn't a, a wee boy anymore. He looks, I mean, he scored for the first team, looks decent. Surely that's what the B team is for. If we're now putting him out on loan to Partick Thistle, if the rumours are true, do you think we are nurturing these players correct? When, when they're at the point of breaking into the first team, do you think we're doing the right thing with these players and putting them out on loan? Or do you think we should be giving them more exposure to the first team? It's difficult because we've, as a lot of boys, fat BT, we ping out and loan, and you never see that. Stephen Kelly's an example. He's been told they can go. And there's other, go, boys, yeah. other boys like that that are on the cusp. And are they good enough to really go into the first team? It's hard, it's hard to tell unless you actually gave him a chance. But the boy McKinnon, I mean, you look at Lowry. Lowry's came through that B team. And he's not went anywhere on loan or anything. And he's just naturally come in. I think the same with Nathan Parson. I don't think he went on loan anywhere. I'm not sure. Scotia would need to double check that one for me. But he's come in. It's um nah, Partick Thistle. I mean, Partick Thistle next year are going to want to try and get out of that championship. They're a decent club in the championship. Yeah, he'll go there and he'll score goals. We've sent quite a lot of boys to Partick Thistle. Whether we've got a good relationship with Partick Thistle, I don't know, but we have sent a lot of our B-team guys um, to Partick Thistle um, for progression. So, I don't know. He's like you say, he's 19. He's at that kind of age where he needs to go somewhere and have a right good season and then come into the first team. I would have thought he could have potentially get somewhere better than Partick Thistle, but I don't know. I don't know. And it's a weird one because we've never had... Look at all the positions we've had where youth players come and actually break into the Rangers team. Who was the last actual striker we had break into the Rangers team? I'd probably say it was Andy Little, maybe, a way, way back then. And that's going a way, way back to 2010, 2011, probably. Yeah, and that was last... probably due to, due to circumstances. Yeah, Little, he, really, wasn't he, he was kind of bedded in a wee bit and then obviously what happened is... But, He's probably the last striker I can think. We've never had a striker come through. So, and I like the boy. You can tell he's a Rangers man. He scored that goal. He's got a tattoo already of it. So he's he's living a dream. But 
interesting what they do with him. I like the B team, but I understand going out to places like Party Thistle, you're in the championship, you're playing against better opposition, so I understand it, but could he go to a better team than Party Thistle's the, the question? Yeah, I think so. I think so. The times I've seen him again, I need to reiterate, I've only seen him probably three or four times. Yeah. Um, but he, he has impressed me. Him, McCann, Lowry, King, they, they've all impressed me. They really look as if they're, I just I think they look as if they must be chapping on the door and saying, you know, at least stick us on the bench, give us 20 minutes against someone. Or I just think sometimes we hold back with that. Uh, Scotia, what do you think of this? I, I love the B team idea, and I think it's been good that. Fans have clearly been getting involved with it. It does look as if it's a path. However, the one player that always sticks in my mind, and, I, and I'm sure you all agree, is, is John Fleck. I remember watching John Fleck when he played. Would that be under 21s then, or would it be reserves? I can't remember what it was. And I saw this I boy and I thought... Aye, I, I think it was reserves still at the time. And I thought, that boy's not only going to make it first team, he's going to be Premier League. I, I, I thought it was... He, Destined for the ne- the next big thing, he just looked above above beyond his years, and he. I don't remember him playing a good game for Rangers. I'll be honest, I don't. I remember Walter Smith bringing him on a couple of games that the league was over, things like that. And it just didn't seem the right time to bring him on. But this is what I'm what's what I'm kind of getting to is: are we doing something wrong with these players when they show all this potential and it's the next step? Or is it just that they don't have that in their game to go that next step? And are we just looking now, the likes of Cole McKinnon, is this a, a loan with a view to buy to get some money in for him? Well, it's interesting you say John Fleck there, because that kind of answers Pearson's point as well, that Robert Fleck was probably the last decent striker that Rangers brought through <laughs> the, the youth ranks. And I mean, that's going back to the 80s, the late 80s, isn't it? Um, I remember when John Fleck came through like you, I think he get far, far too much pressure put on him, given the age he was. Um, I was touted as an ex-bloody um, Wayne Rooney, yeah, was he? Um, yeah, Did you, know, you see that. him though, Ali? Did you watch him when he oh, was that age? Oh, yeah, he was a bulky he looked, guy. And he, he did look a, like it. And he played, sorry, Scotia, and he played a different position to what he plays with Sheffield. Sheffield United is a sitting midfielder now. That's what he is. When he was coming through with us, he was an attacking player for Rangers, but he was... He was a man in a boy's body. He was like a Wayne Rooney. He looked like a Wayne Rooney. Scotia, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Yeah, so I, th- I think John Fleck got far too much kind of pressure thrown on him as well. As well, I think we were kind of, at that period, we were dying to see players come through the youth team or the, the younger level age groups and, and impress. Because I think prior to that, we were probably looking really to... Ferguson being the last big one from that, so you were quite a period away, and obviously like you like see Hutton and stuff had come through just before Fleck. Um, but I think there was too much pressure put on him. Cole McKinnon's a wee bit different, I think. Um, he's got that. It's three years he signed up for, isn't it? So to yeah, kind of answer easy. your question, I don't think it's to go to Thistle and for Thistle to buy him. I think the problem McKinnon's got, particularly at the moment, um, obviously this could change by the end of the, the transfer window, but. The midfield, the central midfield area is really congested in terms of trying to break in and displace other players at the minute because you've got Lundstrom, Jack, Kamara. They would be your like three top choice centre midfielders, really. And then you've got Davis still kicking about. Arfield can do a job in there. Aribo's still about. He can play in there. So it's a really hard position to break through to. So I think Partick Thistle 
wee bit different news. I think going out to Partick Thistle might actually be pretty good for him because it done um, Lewis Mayo really well last season. Um, obviously, he's now going out and loan to come on, um, on it this this season. Yeah, so that's kind of the progression. Because what we've not done is we've not really sent any of our youth players out on loan to other Premier League clubs. I know we've done it with Middleton, perhaps, but other than that, we've not really done it, utilised it too well. Um, so Partick Thistle, and then maybe move on for a loan potentially to a Premier League club next season, or by that point, is there a space opening up um, in, in that central midfield position? Because Lake Hughes, he's really impressed me. I think when we went to watch the B team play Celtic, um, he was my man of the match um, against them at Ibrooks. Um, obviously, Lowry was there, and Lowry was absolutely brilliant. So I kind of disregarded Lowry because at that point, I was already had him in my mind as being a first-team player. Um, at that point, but so I've got, I've got high hopes for for Cole McKinnon. Um, so hopefully the the loan move will work out like it did for Mayo and not like it did for um, Allegra. Yeah, I hope so because like every Rangers fan, you love seeing the young boys coming through, and I just want to see him get a chance. And I totally get it. I get that you just can't throw young boys on, but I don't know. It's just something ain't right for me. I just I don't like the fact he's away out on loan, and I'm not saying it's Thistle that are going to buy him, but it feels a wee bit like. I kind of put him in the shop window because when he comes back, is he going to play for Rangers next year after playing with Thistle? I don't know. He'll probably get pumped out loan again, won't he? That's the way I look at it now. Yeah, Ryan, I can see where you're coming from because Ali yeah. mentioned there Stephen Kelly as well. That's the condition Stephen Kelly was in because I mean they played, was it, a, it may have been against Partick Thistle. He played a friendly, either the start of last season or the previous season. And he came in and he looked really good. But obviously Stephen Kelly got put out and loan to air three years ago played a decent amount of games, then he got put out and loan to Ross County, played a decent amount of games, then he went down to Salford in January there for half a season, and I think by all accounts he had a pretty de decent season yeah, with them down in, down in League Two, but like Ali was saying there, it looks like Stephen Kelly will now be leaving to find opportunities elsewhere, so that's maybe a bit of a worry, but at which I can see where you're getting at with McKinnon. Yeah, and talking about Stephen Kelly, I'm sure he was at was it Stephen Kelly? Was it Ross? Did he say he went to Ross County? Yeah. Yeah. I think he was under John Hughes there, and John Hughes praised him about his attitude. I'm sure I read that yeah. somewhere. Said Stephen Kelly is a bit of brilliant trainer and stuff. But yeah, we'll see what happens with these young boys. I very much am in favour for at least Lowry, McCann, and King to get game time next year. I think they look ready, primed and ready. Um, I have been keeping an eye on the comments here, and I noticed. Uh, Lewis Ferguson get brought up and uh, brought up in the, the topic there. So if you want to just talk about Lewis Ferguson for the next twenty minutes, I am well up for that because he is Ryan Jack's replacement if Ryan Jack breaks down. End of story. Right, let's talk about speculation, guys, because there's been very little of it, but there has been one that has been sticking out this week, and it is. I don't know if you spoke about this last week, but it seems to have picked up a bit of pace. Uh, P-A-O-K P -A -O -K Salonika's end, it was Antonio Kolak. So there was, uh, I think it broke at the beginning of the week, that Rangers had agreed a fee. However, the, I think it was Sky Sports said the deal was done. However, Antonio Kolak then played the second half of a friendly that night, which made me kind of think, yeah, he's not exactly jetting into, jetting into Glasgow just now. It has been quiet on the front of Rangers signing, Rangers signing. So I think everybody's got a bit ahead of a, ahead of the game with this one. I've had a look at him on YouTube as you do. 
everyone looks amazing on YouTube. You should check out my, my video on me on YouTube. I look good as well. But um, Antonio Kolak, Ali, what's your views on this? For me, third-choice striker, and I don't want to put a damn on things, but that's how I look at it. He's Itton's replacement. That's what he is. The, the money we got in for Itton, that's what we're spending on him. He's Itton's replacement. That's what he is. Looks decent. Obviously, we've seen him. Played against us by Malmo, scored two goals against us. So um, I hope we've not signed him just in the back of that because he's got two goals against us because Rangers are good at doing things like that. But um, the, the reason he's not here yet, and their manager came out and did an interview, is because when he leaves them, they're, they're left with one one striker. So I think they're possibly looking at a replacement to bring in before they let him go. So it's whether Rangers want to hang about and wait for him or not, but... I can see the deal being done. It's just their side because he came out and did an interview that their manager says, yeah, he's he's speaking to a big team, et cetera, et cetera. But the reason we haven't let him go is because we only have one striker left if he goes and we have some important games coming up. So I understand for their side. But yeah, to me, he's, he's not coming in as a first team striker. For all I know, he might come in and do well for us, but... He's, he's Cedric Itton's replacement. That that's what he is. Itton didn't do it for us. So one point eight million, whatever it is. So no, he's he's Itton's replacement for me, not Alfie's replacement. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'd agree with that. And um, I did see that that short interview his manager gave after the friendly and what he did play in um, Scotia. What are your thoughts on this? For me, um, you know what I'm like. I am proper. I can get better when it comes to Rangers and transfer business, etc. If I was Rangers, I would walk away from this transfer because they are playing poker big time this uh, this side because they're making out that um, Kolak is a really important player of theirs and they can't let him go until they get a replacement. For me, if that was the case, you don't pop your man out and loan to Malmo or bench him when he's back. I know it was only a friendly, but he doesn't seem that important to them. So I think his response is really them trying to bump the price up. You know what? I don't know if they will. I mean, what I think £1.8 million has been what's quoted as the agreed fee, which for me is a decent enough price for a striker. And like Ali says, that to me screams out, bring him in for um, for written. Because I was looking through his stats. His, his stats for Thessaloniki aren't great. If you look at it, um, I think he's only scored four goals and he's played out about 40-odd games for them. Um, and yes, they did pop him out in loan, but I think what you've got to remember is he went out in loan in the March of last year and came back in the January, but the Swedish the Swedish league runs all through summer. So he was obviously playing where, where all the Greek clubs were on their holidays. Um, so I don't know if there was maybe a view when, when Pauk sent him out on loan if that was to get his fitness up or anything. But it doesn't look like he's worked out at Thessaloniki, but the stats from Malmo looked fairly decent, and previously it was at um, Rijeka in Croatia as well. Um, but he had pretty decent stats with them, and he also scored twice against the Sheep as well in their European playoffs, which um, is already a plus point for me in our books if he, if he comes to us, get two goals against those guys up north. So, no, I think it would be a decent enough signing, like you, third choice. Well, not I, third choice, something a wee bit different, because we all know if Morelos is fit, Morelos is playing. That's a game changer for me, Scotia. I didn't know about that. I'm scoring against the sheep. That's an absolute <laughs> game changer. Rangers need to get back in from him off for an extra million. That's uh, that's right up my street. That 
Um, the next one I want to speak about was, and it's this again, as I remember, there is little in terms of transfers. So if MD's heard anything, I spoke to any taxi drivers about Rangers transfers and get it in the comments. But this one came out, I think it was Talksport, I heard it, and I didn't actually, I've been quite busy this week, so I didn't get an opportunity to actually text you about it. But it was uh, Aribo apparently has a £10 million release clause. Um, which um, I think it was Gab, Gabby Abonglaha that was talking about it on TalkSport. And he reckons quite a few teams down south will fancy that this summer. If that is the case, I have got to agree with him. I think I think Aribo shows a lot of potential. I think a move down south would be good for him. I think Palace would be good for him. I think it would be good money for Rangers as well. Ali, he is your man. I know you shocked me a few weeks ago when you said that... Um, I don't know if it was just disappointment from the season or whatever, but you said that you would let him go. Now that you haven't seen Joe Aribo in the flesh for a few weeks now, have you changed your mind or would you would you happily take a £10 million release clause? With a year left in his contract, I'd take £10 million all day long. It's, I love, you guys know I love Joe Aribo. He's, he's my main man, Joe Aribo. But there was, there was a... Too many, there's too many times with Joe Rebo in big games where he, he doesn't show up for me and we need players showing up. He was um, he was decent enough when we needed him in, in Europa League when we had to play without a striker and he played through the middle and I thought he was he was, he was was decent in the games but that, that's not his position but I just think at times he, he's got so much potential, Joe Rebo. He's got everything in his locker, the size of him. He's a big guy. I just think sometimes he needs to believe just a wee bit more in himself. I've said it for God knows the last couple of years since he's been at Rangers. If he just had that little bit more belief, I think he could just go to the next level. And going down to that Premiership in, in England, he's from London. I think Jory, both him and Kamara kind of grew up down at the Woods. He's um, going to Palace under Vieira. I could see him slotting into that Palace team. I really could. And for there, he could show his potential and then move on to a top, top team because I think Joe Rebo can go to a top, top team. But it's whether Joe Rebo has the belief to go there. If if I think he's got all the ability in the world to go to a massive team, but he, needs to, he just needs to believe a bit more in himself, Joe Rebo, for me. But if if that's the, the release clause, it's 10 million, he's got a year left in his contract. As much as I love Joe Rebo, I take that. I will take that. And you've got Lowry there as a potential replacement and you've got money there to spend on the, that right hand side of that we've been crying out for, for for years now so yeah pains me to say it Ryan but if it's a 10 million somebody offers that with a year left I'm taking it I know that's why I came to you first because I know it's, uh, it's a hard one when, especially <laughs> when you've got a kind of a, a favourite player and I think I think they're right I think maybe the time has came for Joe Rebo to, to move on and he, he was that first half of the season, he was unplayable. I mean, he really was. He was hitting, he was looking at hitting the levels of Car- the way Calvin Bassey was, where he was sticking out for all the right reasons. And I agree with you, I think he's got everything in his locker. When, when he rasps one in from outside the box with that left foot, I mean, I want to see him do that more, but he just doesn't, as you say, he just doesn't seem to believe in himself and chooses a safe ball a lot. And but he's, he's been a great player for us, there's no doubt about it. And obviously, Leah Boyer has got egg all over his face with what he predicted because he just he's hit different heights and then scoring in the Europa League final. Um, no, I can see Aribo 
I think it would work with Palace and I've been so desperate for any kind of football content. I actually found myself listening to a Crystal Palace podcast, believe it or not, last week, I think it was, and they were talking about Joe Rebo. It was really good, actually. They were talking about Joe Rebo and they said how that he's from that area. I don't know much about him in terms of his background, but he's from that area and it would, it would, fit, in, it would fit in playing for a team like that who wouldn't be under pressure to win every week and he could flourish there and I found myself agreeing with, with everything they were saying. And yeah, £10 million. If that came in for Aribo, I think it's a no-brainer. Scotia, what are your thoughts on Aribo if this release clause is is right? And would you take it and would you look to dip in the market or would you feel that Lowry would be a significant replacement? Yeah, I'm, I pulled up the Aldo McNaught's comment from about 20 minutes ago. So sorry I didn't get into it then, Aldo. But I knew we were going to kind of come on to this topic. So I left it till, till now to talk about it. But I think I've been saying this, it seems like I'm repeating myself every couple of weeks now, but out of all our kind of big star players that we've got, sellable assets, like Aldo mentions there, Ken, Aribo and Alfie, being three of those, Aribo for me has always been one that I'd be willing to let go if the, if the price is right. I've said previously that it was maybe a season, last season, that like him or where Kamara was with his contract at that point, you know, could potentially have went so that we can keep the, the way that the player trading models supposed to operate and ticking over so um yeah i think if the right offer seven figures for rebo in the last year's contract i would bite your hand off at that um it's interesting though as well that he's obviously not had any new deals in the four years that he's been with us so that 10 million release clause was in there back in 2019 when he signed which coming across the border what was it for about 200 300 thousand pounds yeah. to get like that seven up to a seven figure price um, yeah, that's in fact eight figure price, isn't it? Eight figure price. Um, yeah. That's that's remarkable. So um, yeah, I think if that had come in, you'd have to bite your hand off. The problem you've got is it's that last year the clubs wait it out six months and then take it for, for free. Really, um, that's the that's the only worry for me. Be a rebo. That's unfortunately the position we find ourselves in. We we quite a few players just now that players have got. I think somebody said in the CGM, someone said in the comments here that there are quite a few players who has who have one year left their contract. And I think Ross Wilson's going to be a very, very busy man the next month with incomings and outgoings. I think we do have decisions to make and we have crucial conversations to have with, with some of our players because we have sellable assets at the moment. We really do in terms of Calvin Bassey, obviously we tied Goldson down, Calvin Bassey, Clyde Kamara, Alfredo Morelos, Ryan Kent, Joe Aribo, players who the club have taken a lot of criticism for the transfer business, but by God, they've done well with these players because we brought them in for little money. And if you sold all of them just now, I don't know how much you would get. I would think you would be looking close to the 100 million mark for all of those players combined, which is frightening and, and great business by the club. But yes, we do need to start looking at either tying these players down or, or having a conversation of thank you and it's time to move on. And I have a feeling that there'll be at least one big player that leaves this month. I, I, I can definitely see it. I don't want to say who I think it will because I don't want to start bubbling on camera, but I do feel as if one of our big players will, will certainly leave um, before the end of, of the window. With regards to any other transfers, there's been nothing else with Rangers at all. It's been very, very quiet. All I would say is 
don't freak out. We need a conversation, Ali, in, in Scotia off camera. And I think there's been a lot of flapping in Rangers Twitter. I've tried to stop looking at Twitter because it's meltdown after meltdown. I think that too many fans are looking at what that lot are doing. And yeah, I have noticed they've spent a bit of money, but as far as I know, the majority of the money they've spent is on players they already had last season. And I think people need to get a bit of perspective. Ali, we lost the league by four points. Yes, we were in the lead, but we lost our manager halfway through the season. Our focus definitely shifted towards Europa League when that league started slipping. I don't think it's time for the panic button yet, Ali, do you? No, I said it last two weeks in this podcast. It's is it four weeks till the kickoff and thirtieth of July against Livingston? So and I said last week a lot of these international footballs only just stopped a couple of weeks ago. Players are on holiday at the moment. You look down south, the big teams just starting to sign players now. There's Rickardson away at Tottenham. So they're just starting to sign. So I will trickle down. We will make signings. I think a lot of people, like you say, Ryan, look at the other side of the city. They've spent the best half of, must be around about 16 million quid on three players, two of them in Carter Vickers and, and Jota that was was there last season. And um, the, this left back they've seen. So they've spent a lot of money, Celtic. But yeah, we just need to look after ourselves. You don't need to look elsewhere at other teams and what, what they're doing. And we will make signings. We have to, we need to make signings. But it's, it's a long, it's like a game of chess, this transfer window. You can see that already with the boy Kolak we're looking at. So the signings will come, don't worry. For all you know, Rangers will pull two signings out of nowhere, have scarves above their heads. That's usually what happens. And Rangers keep it quite their cards close to their chest. We've seen that in recent seasons. Um, you've seen the season when we signed um, Cedric Itton and I don't know who else it was at the same time, but they were pulled out. You've never seen them coming. They were just paraded, two players. So it will come. I'm very, very, like I told you off camera, and I'm very relaxed about it. We've not lost anyone at all yet, so we're a very good team for last season. But yes, we we, we will add players. But aye, everyone totally just agree. calm down, as I've said the last two weeks. I, I totally agree. It's, it's, it's just got this out of control. Some of the comments you read on, on Twitter and people packing their season tickets, and I don't genuinely believe they are proper Rangers fans, I've got to say. Um, I read a few comments here. I think it was Curry Winchell that said it about, yeah, yeah, no need to worry. And look what happened was in January. Yes, I get what you're saying, Curry Winchell. I do, mate. But hindsight's a wonderful thing because if somebody had said to you before the window, in that transfer window, you're going to sign a £40 million player from Man United and Aaron Ramsey, you would have asked them what they were taking. You would ask them what drugs they were on. You would have taken away in a, in a white a van way. Remember, right? So it's it just every, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and everybody thought Aaron Ramsey and Diallo was going to be great business. It didn't, it didn't work out, but the board did make moves. They did make moves in January, and they did bring those two players in. It just didn't work out, and they will again make moves um, this summer. I think everybody just needs to have a bit of sanity about them and um, remember that we got to Europa League final and we only lost league by four points. We are not miles, miles behind us lot. That's not Rangers will do their business calculated and they'll do it correctly. Scotia, what are your thoughts? Are you running about, climbing the walls, panicking, pulling your face, thinking about jacking your season ticket in yet? Not me. I, you can see some of the comments coming here, but I think people are kind of getting a wee bit 
antsy. I'm, I'm like you, to be honest, that um, in terms of where things are, I'm quite pleased because I've got used to Rangers doing stuff in the in the background and not really releasing anything until someone, a player, turns around. I might start getting a wee bit worried in about the week, towards the end of the week we get back from Portugal. If there's not really been any movement there, I'll start to get a wee bit worried because it's it's closing in in that, you know, the, the Champions League games by that point. Um where I'll start to get a wee bit worried because I don't want to go down the, the Cowness route, the Malmo route, where we kind of, we hold off and doing any major business until we've kind of guaranteed that money. But at the minute, I'm okay with where we are with the transfers because when you asked me at the end of the season where our priorities were, it was a right winger, probably a striker, and if Goldson went away, a defender would be a major one as well. Goldson signed, so that straight away put that priority to bed. We didn't need to really worry about the defence too much. Looks like we're trying to get this Cholak in there with the striker. So for me, it's really just a right winger that we really need to come in and, you know, improve the first team. Um, possibly, and then obviously anyone else is kind of a replacement for who's leaving or bringing someone in to cover someone leaving, particularly maybe at left back. Um, if bids start coming in for Bassey. Because I know that you, I know you won't be pleased with this, Ryan, but I've got a feeling that Barisic will stay about because obviously the World Cup's coming up um, and I don't think he'll want to change clubs with the World Cup coming up too soon to fight for a position. So I think he'll want to stay about so that he can confirm his place in that Croatian squad. Which then okay. also, you could also you could also find that the transfer biz window in the after the World Cup and Christmas is going to be an awful lot busier than it has in past seasons because... You know, the World Cup is generally when players get kind of scouted from, from teams. So you maybe see a bit, wee bit of that effect this season. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think Curry Muncher makes a good point. I think it's because there's nothing. There is radio silence, basically. But I do like that. I think the club have cut all their ties with any media and any rumours or anything. I think they've just, they do their business correctly now. And yes, it's frustrating because it is silence, but... Tolerance and sanity. I just think Rangers will do their business. They will. There's no doubt about it. And yeah, we'll see Lewis Ferguson with a Rangers scarf over his head. Don't worry about that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get in. I had no, to get in. No. Listen, guys, we are at the we're at the hour mark. I don't think it's point in starting anything else unless you have anything. Um, all I've got to say is thanks to everyone for listening and and staying with us while the the gaffer has not been here to to keep an eye on us. Um, we really do appreciate everything in the comments there. Um, we're reading through them as best I can, and well done, Scotia, for, for doing that. Everybody like, share, and subscribe, as I said. Um, and again, congratulations to Scott and his girlfriend, and the wee one as well. <laughs> um, he is not married yet. Yes, he is not married. And all I've got to say is bye to my guests. So, Ali Pearson, thank you, mate. Hope you have a good weekend. Yeah. Cheers for that, lads. I rushed back to be on here, so that was commitment. So hope Carney's happy with that one. But um, yeah, no, hopefully Carney will be on next Friday. So um, looking forward to that. And as I say every week, as I've said for the last two weeks, hopefully there'll be something to talk about next week. We are away in Portugal, so and we are leading up to the Sunderland game, so there will be stuff to talk about. Definitely, mate. Definitely in uh, Scotia. I'm away in London next weekend, so. I've got a feeling there's going to be a lot to talk about next week because I'm away and I can't do the pod. So thank you very much, mate. I hope you have a good weekend as well. Yeah, cheers for hosting. Yeah, it went um, 
Went quite well tonight, considering the boss isn't here. Um, I know I, I did notice occasionally I leaned into my computer and hit the showed comments that I didn't want to at points. Not that there were any bad. The comments were good at the time. I, I managed to miss any curry munchers. Um, tastier comments that he occasionally puts in the chat with everyone, <laughs> thankfully. But yeah, no, it was fun. Um, at least we got through it fairly unscathed without Carney. I know. I don't know how he concentrates for some of the comments that come in for Curry Bunch, but um, I no, we appreciate all the comments that come in. Um, I'm sure there will be more more transfer news, but just keep ahead. Yes, uh, Mr. McGarrigo, I am on a date. Thank you very much. Uh, everybody enjoy your weekend, guys. I will see you probably in a couple of weeks, and thanks very much for listening. Cheers. We are Club at 22.